0: Hello everyone. My name is Major General Anil Varma, retired, and I am the head of ADR. Welcome to the second part of the podcast on voting facilities for the migrant workers.
1: Mr. Rashmini Kumar is a professor at the Kata Institute of Social Sciences, Bombay, or I should say, Mumbai. Uh, he has done a very significant amount of research on this issue. Uh, the AD collaboration with the election commission, and uh, he has also written a book on the subject. So, we now look forward to hearing you, Professor Ashwini Kumar. Thank you,
2: Professor Kocher, uh, for having me here, invited us. And before I, you know, speak about the topic, I would like to thank uh, uh, Dr. Tureshi, uh, Mr. Rawat, uh, and uh, Mr. Rajiv Khandelwal. And General Verma. And also, most importantly, I would like to thank uh, uh, Dr. Jayadi. You know, under Hood's guidance, uh, this was brought on to board and we collaborated with ACI. And we did two major significant works with ACI, and both have become really very, very relevant this discussion. First, we worked with Dr. Jayadi uh, very closely uh, with his team at Election Commission and we presented our significant report on mm-hmm. of the voting rights of domestic migrants in the country. Perhaps that's the most significant report now cited in migration studies in my discipline of political science. And we also, secondly, you know, with his inspiration and and, and support, Dr. Jani's support, we also conducted first-ever survey of NRI voters and we presented our detailed analysis, you know, which is also both the reports are available with ACI and also available mm-hmm. networks. What I'm going to do now, uh, within the limited time of eight to ten minutes, uh, I would like to make a very short presentation, uh, of PPT. So it's, it's going to be uh, it's a detailed research-based analysis. So I want to share with everyone, and I will go over it quickly. Uh, this is something that we have done over, over uh, our, our research spans almost a decade you know ever since you know dr jaidi invited us to ci and uh, dr koresi and others you know we are still engaged with eci we are still working mm-hmm. with ECI on developing uh you know several several modalities uh, in terms of facilitating uh, voting rights for the migrant workers what i'm going to do that uh, first uh, I'm going to look at, you know, the whole debate in terms of the citizens, citizenship rights, you know, in fact, our book is titled My Trends, Mobility and Citizens, uh, because that's missing here. I mean, like in the debate that we find in migration literature, particularly, and in the discipline of political science and sociology uh, concerning migration. We don't find citizenship. So what we have done through our research and our project works with ACI that we have brought this agenda, citizenship agenda, back to back to the mm-hmm. center of our political imagination. So this is the conceptual ground that we are breaking here. Uh, so what I'm going to do that very briefly, I will go over and uh, and share with you our research that we have done and the research. Uh, 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 was sponsored by ECI and also our independent research. If you look at, uh, you know, uh, official data on migration, uh, we have used official data on migration and there are two broad sets of data that inform our understanding of migration, including migrant workers, you know. If you look at migrant workers, it's still, obvious to us that uh, there is no systematic uh, national survey done on capturing the reality of the migrant workers as such. Uh, the Census covers only migration and uh, migrants, you know, what you call MRIs in India and NSOs. So there are gaps between uh, their understanding also that we have done in our large work, uh, in our report also we have highlighted the gaps between different sets of data. So that's very important to keep in mind. Although, you know, if you look at look at the growth of internal migrants you know we call it internal migrants and within internal migrant we capture the reality of migrant workers you know about whom we are talking about uh, voting rights and voting so if you look at uh, you know look at uh, we are almost getting close to 2021 you know census and if you look at 2021 census from 450 million migrants we are going to at least uh, you know 580 million so from 55 million interstate migrants we will be having about you know 80 million inter, you know interstate migrants so this is something that you can see that although there are lots of census series on migrants uh, and you know there are various other credible research reports uh, uh, around migrants but still the problem is uh, you know about data the problem is about uh, you know capturing the realities of migrant workers particularly if not migrant as such you know because if, if you see that uh, it studies show very high rates of migration amongst poorest and socially marginalised groups, and over representation of migrants, including bonded and child labour and Adivasi and talis. this is missing in the data. This is missing in the data, and that's a problem for ECI too to understand why poor within the migrants get uh, you know uh, uh, underrepresented. So there are methodological and data challenges, and our big work. Uh, you know, shows that I will share with you at the end of my presentation our report, DCI, and also the book, you know, that's available, South Asia, edition, shortly by Routledge. We call it, uh, in the large, also in my op ed and other essays, I have been talking about de facto disenfranchisement here it's not de jure so i agree with uh, you know chief uh, former chief election commissioners that there is no de jure disenfranchisement but certainly de facto is there you know that's a reality you know election commissions have done excellent work you know in terms of expanding expanding the definition of ordinary resident and also making provisions for including internal migrants of various kinds for voting But it continues to be made a challenge, you know, if you look at 900 plus million plus eligible voters, uh, you know, our estimate is millions of voters are still missing. They are still not voting, you know, and especially, you know, migrant workers are not voting. So if you look at the survey data, which is, you know, like if you look at, you know, our own work, you know, social sciences and my team did the work, you know. And where we looked at the survey data and this is very, very significant work that we have done, you know, through regression analysis, you know, very powerful regression analysis. And we found out that 60 and 83% of domestic migrants or internal migrants, including migrant workers, have failed to cast a ballot in at least one national state or local elections after moving. So this is this this has you know uh, a larger impact on what we call invisible citizens. You know there are two sets of citizens: visible citizens, largely middle class citizens, and with invisible citizens, you know, poor poor migrant workers. You know, and in fact, you know, we again uh, analyzed in our report and the book also that uh, after you know representative surveys uh, you know collected after two, 2014 national elections, if you look at the turnout rate, you know. I think those who are looking at political right, you know, voting as a political right, rather political imaginary, this is very important to look at turnout data, you know. Why people are voting less and less num- in number in large metropolitan areas. And we concluded with regression analysis, this is because of deficit in improving registration of migrant workers in large cities. And also if you look at uh, our recent work which is, uh, in my discipline and migration studies also considered a path-breaking work by Gayakwal and Nellis. Soon it will be out in Afsar. And this works does a randomized control trial study. It's not a small micro-ethnographic qualitative work, but it's a very scientifically done in two places, Lucknow and Delhi. And it concludes that there are bureaucratic obstacles to registering to vote by migrants. I'm sure, you know, uh, former chiefs are here. And also, people who are listening to us will uh, pay more attention to it. You know, and there are, you know, in, in this a small presentation. I can't capture everything, but we really, you know, dispel uh, the myth that migrants are voting, not voting voluntarily. That's a myth. In reality, when we asked them to register locally, ninety-eight percent of eligible respondents replied yes. Therefore, this idea or theory of voluntary disengagement is rare in our sample research. Also, we found out in 2014, 65% of migrants to Delhi possessed a voter ID card, allowing them to vote in city elections, while the overall average for Delhi residents was 85%. Recently, the young and bright political scientist Tariq Thatcher's pioneering works finds in a sample of Delhi construction workers that only one in five migrants had ever voted in cities' elections. So there there is, a, you know, and another thing that we discovered in our analysis and our work over the last 10 years, that there are some, you know, hot spots where migrants are completely, you know, isolated uh, from the political process and social process. For instance, if you look at Dhamtari, you know, rice mills in Dhamtari, you know, there is bonded labor practice, you know, so I think, you know, election commission uh, and, and the officers are paying attention to these new forms of, what they call dadan labor and bonded livers in stone quarries crusher sandstone marble and slate mines and plantation floriculture sericulture etc etc so these 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 hot spots are very important for us to understanding and also empowering migrant workers, you know. And again, you know, I think we haven't talked about women as migrant workers, you know. And this is something that we have highlighted in our ECI report uh, that look at, you know, Palamaru laborers, you know, and especially many many women, you know, they have never voted, you know. Because most of them are, you know, short term short term migrants, seasonal migrants, uh, cyclical market migrants, and they are not captured in the data. Neither neither NSS nor in uh, census, nor by the Election commission. So this is something uh, you know we look at you know disadvantages of migrants, you know, since I have very limited time, so I will focus on, what our research indicates, bureaucratic hassle cost, you know. And we are also inspired by Latin American research, you know, and research in Africa. So this is what is happening in India. is not an isolated case, you know. Worldwide, you know, migrants and migrants workers have suffered, uh, you know, this kind of political disenfranchisement, you know, and especially poor migrants, you know. And we have also looked at, you know, through our research and analysis that there is a deep anti-migrant apathy, especially at the lower level of, you know, DLO level, you know, I think we we suggested and when, you know, Dr. Koresi comes on, I'm, I'm sure that he will share his own experience about when we uh, told him about, you know, DLO level, you know, where there is a deep anti-migrant apathy, you know, and we were talking about uh, Man, Wiener's classic work, you know, Sons of the Soil, it is still relevant, you know, political elite and water exclusion. And there are processes here, I, I'm sure. If you look at my PPT closely, you will find that how these processes, bureaucratic processes, lead to exclusion, you know, and especially in terms of the exclusion of poor migrant workers, you know, migrant workers. So, form filling is a headache, documentation is a problem, submission of the documentation is a problem, verification is a problem. Applicants are not informed in cases of rejection. So, if you look at, you know, what we suggest about 100, uh 220 million short-term migrants, you know, many of them are from poor and disadvantaged marginalized backgrounds. They suffer most from the bureaucratic hassles, you know. There, there are lots of research available to us to guide how do we, you know, tackle that issue. Uh so several countries have allowed mechanisms like absent voting, early voting, voting by proxy, you know, and I'm not referring to you know NRI voting. I'm looking at only migrant workers and migrants voting. So there are many ways of tackling it. And suggested in our report. And also, in our large analysis in the book, that portability of balloting is becoming important. We also need to revisit the definition of ordinary resident in the section 20 of the Representation of the People Act. And uh, secondly, in the migrant crisis recently in the pandemic, we also closely look at various acts, you know, like contract labor, interested migrant workmen, and building and construction worker. There is no provision for enrollment of the migrant workers working in these sites, you know. It's very important for the alignment of these acts with ECI, relevant acts, way forward. A uh, citizen action alone is not important, you know. We need to involve political elites and election officials, and registration drives for election officials are very, very important and civil society groups are effective, you know. And secondly, we also want to dispel the myth that, uh, you know, uh, voting back home and the voting in the place where they work, I think times have changed, you know. In fact, Arik Thatchel, very significantly leads us to understand a new generation of migrant entrepreneurs, you know, political entrepreneurs. And that is where we are also looking at, I think, for Indian democracy, it's important to look at migrants promoting inter-ethnic tolerance, you know. Finally, sons of the soil challenge remain, but they can be altered into less violent forms of native reactions, you know. i stop here and if there is any question and answer, I will come back and respond to that. Thank you very
1: much. Thank you, Professor rashmi Kumar. It is obvious that you have done a very, very exhaustive study. And uh, unfortunately, given the constraints of time, uh, we are not able to take full advantage of your work and your expertise. Uh, but still, thank you very much. I am okay. sure some of us will pay attention to what you have done and what you have written and then take it forward. Thank you. And I will then request uh, Mr. Rajiv Khandelwal, who is the executive director of an organization called Ajivika Bureau, which has been working on uh, issues related to migrants within India uh, for the last 10 to 15 years or so. Uh, the organization has done wonderful work in in uh, assisting migrants. Uh, their logic was that you know everybody tries to uh, prevent migration, but since migration is uh, unavoidable, why don't we make the lives of migrants more uh, comfortable and less painful? That was the fundamental uh, idea with which they
3: started. And now I'll let Mr. Khandelwal take it on from there. Thank you. Thank you, Jagdeep. And uh, a pleasure and an honor to be on this platform, Uh, especially on an issue that has concerned us for many years without any easy answers. I come to you from Udaipur, where we are headquartered. uh, As Jagdeep sir said, we are a labor support and uh, protection organization working in the Western India labor corridor of Rajasthan, Gujarat and Maharashtra. Uh, millions of people migrate from the southern parts of Rajasthan to Gujarat and Maharashtra. Not a very long distance. and uh, But as is true for migrants everywhere, say, so. you know, I, I was uh, just only observing that uh, this labor corridor of Western India is actually very typical of how labor corridors everywhere else in the country operate. And that actually has a strong bearing on uh, uh, the infrastructure that would might be needed for voting, the voting no, facilities. Um, so you know, let's uh, one of the one of the realities of uh, migration, of labour migration in our country, is that it is not permanent relocation of individuals. <clears throat> it's uh, seasonal. It is circular and people will come to the cities, come to industries for periods of time and will go back to the villages. Okay, they will, this will be in a, uh, the frequency can be as high as a few times every year to once or twice every year, Okay, And so it is difficult, there is no, there is no sedentary element to migration, uh, you know, the way it operates in our economy, in our country. Um, It, the the implication is that, people will not seek inclusion just in their home states or in their home panchayats or home constituencies, but will also need political inclusion at the point of their employment. And which is where it becomes even more compelling and even more, uh, I think, pressing for them to obtain and which they are really I- I excluded from. Right now, we did early on in our work, way, way back in 2012 and 13. We did a study of to understand how many migrants had voting voter IDs and uh, what was the extent of their political participation, and found that uh, many, many migrants, most migrants, uh, were unable to participate in the Lok Sabha election because they did not see it as uh, they did not see the connection of that political, you know, kind of inclusion as having a direct bearing on their. On their reality and their well-being however they were coming back traveling long distances to participate in the panchayat elections okay and we have uh, documented uh, long journeys of people being also brought back you know to participate in the panchayat and the legislative assembly elections which also is an indication of their political kind of you know sense of entitlement that you know we belong there in a more recent work uh, which we have conducted in Ahmedabad Surat and also a little bit in Mumbai, maybe we were asking migrant workers who are caught in a very, in very hazardous, in very low-end kind of uh, employment situations about what will change the situation for them. Many of them actually have no sense of entitlement in the city, you know. They do not think about political inclusion here. They do not believe that it will come to them. Uh, also because these are workers who are not part of a trade union, organized kind of movement that will represent their interest uh, to any employer or any industry or, or or a state body however when posed with the alternative that whether they would like to participate electorally in their local in the in the at the point of work most of them said yes if they do not lose out on the ability to vote back in the villages so there is i think it, significant desire to be included politically wherever they are and I think that is the reality of how migration operates and we should you know also think about that I do not have a clear answer of how uh, migrants could be included at both points of time at at both locations but I think there there is certainly a strong need given that this is how uh, crores of people 140 crores uh, 14 crores to, to at the very least uh, you know, of people in our country who are regional, circular kind of lives. Uh, there is, uh, uh, you know, I have just come back. Have, I've just come back from Gujarat, and we have work in Surat, which just day before yesterday saw one of the most traumatic accidents of 15 migrant workers who were crushed by a truck. Okay, they were sleeping on the pavement just by the roadside, and uh, these are all workers from Baswada in South Rajasthan, where also we have work. Yesterday, most of my team was in that village where these workers come from. Almost the first thing that happened when the accident occurred in Surat is that who do they turn to? Our team was about 70 kilometers away. There was absolutely no local support except the local villagers who were standing by, but no political representation, no bureaucracy, no one to immediately be available at a time like this. It, it, It takes... You know the longest time to even identify the workers who had lost their lives they are not registered they have no formal evidence of their presence in the city which not, does not only affect their employment relations and their outcomes in the labor market but also what happens in emergencies like these you know if there is political patronage there's some political kind of support in this is it is this is a time when uh you know in these are unusual times but this is when it comes becomes most evident why their inclusion is important. It took MLAs and sarpanches from Baswara to show up in Surat to bring the bodies back, right? You know, this this is not how this is, anyway should not how this is not how workers, uh, you know, should meet their sorry end in our in our economies in our urban areas. But I think the fact that they were so disconnected, especially politically, uh, you know, speaks for why they ought to be. Present in both source and in their in their destination. One of the points that I would strongly argue, you know, argue against, is to not link any voting entitlement with Aadhaar. The current difficulty in correlating we have experience of Aadhaar in PDS, and the two de- the two databases are collapsing. You know, they barely speak to each other, and this is this would be actually further disenfranchise. Disin- disin- Migrant workers, if, if if this if this were to become Aadhaar enabled, it should actually it it should just be a remote voting infrastructure, nothing more, or or, or nothing you know nothing less than that. This is what it should be. It should not have an Aadhaar kind of uh, because it is it creates problem in, your, in even a thing like PDS. You know, voting is too far and too complex for them for Aadhaar to manage. The two databases will never speak to each other. My goal is. I don't think this group, this this gathering has any contrary view on why migrants should be included, uh, you know, politically. I don't think anybody will have a contrary view. In fact, if anything, the pandemic and lockdown has created a certain political identity of migrants. Otherwise, the usual identity is that of occupation or of caste, you know, but this is perhaps the first time there is some consolidation of a migrant, migrant identity. And if people were to be given political... Uh, entitlement, inclusion—it will further strengthen that that identity. Then join the labor movement more clearly and more forcefully. And I, you know, I think that really has to be supported through technologies on our side today to ensure that workers have a fair and dignified way of part, you know, casting their vote wherever they are. But as I said, in both locations, and we have to find the the solution to this very vexed issue that lives are affected not just in their villages but in the cities that they work where they are subject to most uh, inhuman, inhuman and uh, kind of arduous kind of conditions of work and living. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Rajeev, uh, for bringing in this perspective from the ground. We have uh, Dr. Nasim Zaidi. He has also been a former Chief Election Commissioner and uh, he is a doctor not necessarily in Election commissionership or anything like that. I believe he is a PhD in biotechnology or something like that. So he is a, a man of a different background, but he spent, of course, all his working life in the administrative service and retired as the chief election commissioner. So I will, requ- and actually it was Dr. Zadi who prompted me to take the initiative of organizing this uh, webinar. So, Dr. Zadi, thank you very much. And now the floor is yours
0: thanks to you very much professor uh, chokar uh, of course the idea um, uh, was developed when uh, we spoke the other day and i thank you very much for organizing this uh, uh, very nice seminar on uh, very topical subjects uh, i will i will make few points uh, in the minutes well, um, uh, we must understand the concept of uh, universal adult suffrage has made significant progress in the contribution of all these stakeholders need. All of us know that uh, there has been increasing participation of uh, voters in the success. We are also the uh, 30 crores have not voted or did not uh, in the election. Who's uh, 30 crores people are? It is that they are youth, they are urban people, they are senior citizens, they are disabled. But one wide uh, belief is that. Uh, that uh, major portion of this uh, this this class of 30 crores uh, is constituted by the domestic migrant although there are no definitive uh, studies available professor shwani just mentioned about those so be that as it may so let us now uh, as i mentioned to general verma also i think let us include both categories nris as well as mris because uh, for the commission or for for any system All all segments of uh, voters are significant. So first of all, I'll make two remarks about the NRI. Uh, The audience is aware that uh, uh, the matters were taken up uh, with the Supreme Court. uh, And the election commission intervened and formed a committee in 2014. I was part of the commission. Uh, The the committee consulted all political parties, examined all uh, global international practices, and uh, finally, submitted its report to Supreme Court. Finally, it landed in the uh, in the government uh, through the Election Commission. Now, uh, now we we have to uh, we had to decide on the methods of uh, enabling NRI's. So there were a couple of methods available at that point in time. The first one was personal voting at uh, uh, at uh, our embassies. However, this is uh, impractical uh, for a variety of reasons. I'm not getting into details because it will take time. Uh, and the Ministry of External Affairs was also not on board, and therefore this idea was not found uh, feasible. The second option uh, available at that time was proxy voting, but again there are issues of secrecy, trust deficiencies, etc., etc. And therefore that was also not found very feasible. Although it was pursued by the government, but the bill formed in this regard was finally uh, ha- has finally lapsed in 2019. But proxy voting is available to service voters i must uh, mention the third option was available voting by internet but again uh, due to uh, security features due to uh, technology issues and uh, lack of faith of uh, by political parties in internet voting this was also not found to be very feasible now the only the only method that was found feasible uh, uh, for nris i'm talking about nris first was the voting through postal ballot system. And as you would know, there are two ways to, to, to enable NRIs to vote. One was physical transmission of postal ballot. But as you would know, that sending physi- uh, postal ballot physically is a nightmare, not possible, etc. Therefore, the other option, will, and that was found, possible, uh, was the uh, uh, electronic of postal ballot system. Uh, I will not get into the greater details, here, the uh, the he transferred to to a recent proposal to the embassies will be downloaded to the who will prefer uh, to opt by ballot. he reports to the embassy uh, through an identification process cast his vote and the marked ballots are returned by mail. So this uh, system. Uh, it uh, was found to be quite feasible in the sense that, uh, one, it cut down the time cycle. Secondly, there are no technologies issues and there are no uh, other uh, issues of uh, secrecy of voting, etc. And I must remind the audience that uh, one-way electronic transmission of postal ballot was uh, started by the commission when uh, Mr. Rawat and I were the part of the commission. Uh, we began the experiment in Puducherry for the service voters. And uh, the experiment was hugely successful. Uh, I, I must mention that uh, in the past uh, four years, 2 million postal ballots have been sent to the service voters w- by one way electronic transmission. And I will give the progress subsequently. So this system has been found to be uh, very good. Therefore, with regard to an array, my suggestion to the commission will be, and and of course, it is open to discussion, that. Uh, to begin with as is the established practice of commission they must uh, uh, begin a pilot uh, basis ex- uh, process whereby one or two assembly constituencies where there are some nris available uh, can be experimented and subsequent to the testing and validation the whole process can be scaled up to the to the state election and finally to the general election so this much about the nris now i come to the main issue of uh, uh, migrant resident indians we will use mris for the sake of uh, uh, ease uh, again i would mention that uh, when the slps were uh, being heard by the supreme court one of the petitioners uh, expanded the scope of the of the election, of the slp by alleging that the mris are also being denied voting opportunities and therefore again in response to the supreme court's uh, discussion uh, hearing we set up a committee in 2015 and 16, and that committee also gave a lot of thought to this uh, to this uh, to this issue. The committee also consulted uh, political parties. I must say that all political parties had agreed that this uh, the idea of extending uh, facilities to MRIs is a very good idea, and they supported this idea in general. But they were also of the opinion, as Mr. Rabat mentioned uh, a little while ago, that further action may not be possible uh, till a proper mechanism of defining a migrant is is formulated. That was the view of the, some political what professor uh, that the facility extended to the also be extended to a. But they supported the concerning facilities. This issue has also been discussed by several uh, speakers here and I must uh, acknowledge the work done by Professor Ashwani in our tenure there, forward uh, to his book. It's a, it's a very, very good book. This needs to be read by... In any case, coming back to it is not that the issue of MRI is not in focus. The MRI issue has been raised in the parliament. Many people must be aware of this, uh, of the discussion in the parliament where... NRI and MRI issue was discussed. There was also an interministerial uh, committee of ministers in 2015. Of course, uh, progress is yet to be made. So now there are a couple of issues that must be borne in mind, Mr. Rawat uh, indicated towards those. One is that MRIs do not constitute an identifiable and countable class of, of uh, electors under the existing norms. We found that none of the agencies is able to give a uniform definition. Therefore, this is one aspect. The second aspect, as Professor Ashwani mentioned, that, uh, and uh, Mr. Khandiwal also, that migrant laborers, again, of two types. Some move permanently. And therefore, as Dr. Kureshi mentioned, under the legal framework, those who have uh, migrated permanently can avail of the current facilities uh, as provided in the law of registry and voting at the new place. Now, the issue is pertaining to the bulk, bulk of temporary and uh, Seasonal, uh, seasonal workers who keep traveling all over the country in search of work but they remain connected to their original place of residence but they can't travel there as already highlighted by my colleagues we, are, we also have a class of workers who are not available on the polling day on account of various duties emergency duties or or other exigencies And uh, and therefore one view that can be considered very clearly is that until unless we are able to come up with a with a with a broadly acceptable definition of uh, migrant, uh, let's begin with a small subset of domestic migrants. Those those migrants who are not able to go to their uh, polling places, who are on essential duties, and here is the concept of absentee voting that is coming into the plan i will in a minute uh, if professor choker will uh, give me two three minutes i will i will finish that part now now with regard to, therefore there is a need for uh, development of a of a definition and there is a need to uh, bring in the concept of absentee voting particularly for those workers who are uh, who are not able to participate uh, in the election on the polling day now what are the methods that we can consider and have been considered. Physical transmission of postal ballot to MRIs is 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 a nightmare. Will be a very very difficult issue because there are issues of uh, time cycles, counting, recount, uh, vis-a-vis EVMs. Those issues will come. Proxy voting will also be possible, as mentioned by left and uh, and other. So I was saying that physical transmission of postal ballot, in case of even in case of. Uh, uh, MRI is, is, is not possible, proxy voting for various reasons, which uh, my predecessors, uh, speakers have spoken, is also not uh, possible. I think the only possible method could be the electronic transmission of uh, postal ballot. And here I must uh, mention that uh, the concept of national voting centers, the concept of district absentee voting centers uh, is taking shape in the, in the commission. And I will in a minute uh, tell you uh, how that can can function. But the prerequisite is that the class of uh, MRI must be identifiable, must be distinct, must be countable. They must remain registered at their uh, original place of uh, residence, and that they are not able to travel to their uh, original place. Now, why I'm saying uh, that the concept of national polling center or district absentee uh, voting centers can can be worked out and can be feasible is because, again, uh, the fact that we had extended the one-way electronic transmission of postal ballot to service voters in last four years, since 2016, when uh, Mr. Rawat and I began this system, 2 million postal ballots have been delivered electronically. 90 percent of them were downloaded and 60 percent of uh, postal ballot for uh, my my see that uh, commission i'm for sure his categories of uh voters and therefore i would make uh, three four suggestions for the for the for the comment and uh, uh holders is that on the uh of the mm-hmm. next Definition of uh, and be a institution mechanism of this definition. As we hear, political parties are demanding consultation, and therefore the commission can re-engage for in-depth consultation with political parties because this is a subject that will require a very very broad consensus. The third one is that the commission must request the group of ministers. To now push this agenda forward because it past four years. So that is another thing that I would say. And the last uh, point that I would mention is that in the meantime, for a subset of uh, MRIs, uh, when the when the I mean, of course, the legal framework will come after examination by the by the group of ministers and uh, formulation of law. In the meantime, commission can continue to work. On the concept of national uh, voting centers, conduct mock trials uh, without uh, assigning them to be the genuine ones, and and in the meantime, refine processes so that as and when the legal framework comes, the commission is ready to uh, to implement. I'm I'm still very happy that uh, the Election Commission is transitioning from the conventional. It's it's a change of mindset from 2014. I have seen it up to now. That it is transitioning from the conventional modes of voting to alternate methods of voting, and as ADR has rightly flagged the issue, I am sure some recommendation should go to the commission for uh, for uh, more push uh, for our uh, MRIs domestic migrants and bring them within the fold of the of the entire uh, electoral democracy. I would I would say one thing as a last sentence that our mris uh, are not uh, i mean we must hide we must uh, flag this issue that our mris are registered most of them i'm sure are registered in their home constituencies so so, so to that extent they are part of the process it is a different thing that they are not to participate for which we are discussing it and i'm sure it will make great progress as we move forward the issue has been flagged very rightly by Professor Choker, and the views that will emerge today, I think, will go a significant way. It may not be solved in one year; it may take decades. After all, uh, experiments like evm took 30 years. Therefore, it. But but the beginning has to be made. That is why I would compliment ADR for this wonderful initiative. Thank you very much. Sorry for taking a uh, little uh, longer. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dr. Verdi i i cannot resist responding to your last observation that uh, it may take years or decades and i am reminded of a couplet by mirza ghalib so it will take time one can understand but I mean, we can discuss that because the Election Commission's actions on this front are not, you know, widely known at least, that's all I can say. Anyway, we now have uh, our uh, last speaker uh, who has been added uh, recently because we that I have that the Centre for uh, Justice and Peace Uh, conducted a campaign during last year when the migrants were returning home as a result of the lockdown and uh, they got some 50,000 signatures and so on. So since they have done some significant work, uh, we have invited uh, Ms. Italwad and I would request her to share her views but I would also request kindly, please be brief because we are already into our question and answer time. So, the less time you take,
4: the more grateful you will be to. you. So, this is A very good afternoon to my uh, esteemed fellow uh, participants and I'm really grateful to the Association for Democratic Reforms for accommodating citizens for justice and peace. I want to just briefly say that I really want to thank uh, not just Professor Ashwini Kumar, but uh, uh, Dr. Rajiv Khandelwal from the Ajivika Bureau, which has been doing sterling work on this question. We began work on this about a year ago and particularly after the COVID-19 lockdown. I mean, lots of things have been said, far more uh, uh, prescient and important than what we can offer. But I just want to add a couple of things which might bring something to the discussion, considering that ADR has launched this initiative to take this very uh, crucial issue forward. And we would really like to assure you that the 51,000 signatures that we have got on the memorandum to the election commission, which was given on July 10th, 2020, Uh, to the Chief Election Commissioner, Mr. Uh, Arora, along uh, along with five other mass organizations from Bengal, Orissa, Uttar Pradesh, and uh, West Bengal. Uh, uh, We'll be happy to share it with the participants. Uh, Friends, you know, the whole question of political, uh, uh, I mean, just as Professor Ashwini Kumar has said that Baba Sahib Ambedkar's clarity of vision that brought Article 326 of the constitution into universal adult franchise and what it means for the political uh empowerment of a section that suffers as uh, uh, kandilwal pointed out so importantly from complete lack of citizenship rights whether it is question of right to work right to dignified labor so much of this will get linked to the question of uh the vote and i know there are issues of definition i know there are issues of article 20 of the representation section 20 of of the Representation of People's Act, all of these issues. But I really would urge that just like the Armed Forces postal ballot, equally crucial, or the uh, NRI postal ballot, which was a politically important issue for some political dispensations, was rushed through so quickly. I think we need to really prioritize this. If there's an interministerial group, as we were informed by Dr. Zaidi from 2015, the public of India needs to know what that interministerial group proceedings have been doing. To offer some more insights, I just want to say that according to the 2011 uh, 2011 census, uh, the the internal migrants stand at 450 million. And we expect a 45% surge. There was a 45% surge then from 2001. And among these, 26% of the migration, that is 11.7 crores, occurs inter-district. And 12%, that is 54 million, occurs intra-state. according to studies conducted by various groups an average of these studies shows that 78 percent of interstate migrant workers voters actually have the voting card and the the, the inability to vote comes from the from the fragility of their con- living conditions their work conditions their economic conditions so i think while the definition may be important i think the definition cannot be a bar i would like to draw attention not so much to the Representation of People's Act, because there are experts here, but to the Interstate uh, Migrant Workers Act of 1979, where the provisions of which are not fulfilled by various political parties and state governments, and even central government. That If you look at the rules under the ISMW Act, Rule 41 provides for a registration form, a certificate of registration, It provides for registers and records of statistics of migrant workers in Chapter 6 of the ISMW rules. Rule 49 states that every principal employer and contractor needs to maintain registers vis-a-vis the Central Labor Commission under the Act. Now, political will is lacking both at the center and the states because when our visit to about six of such uh, 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 labor departments in the state and in the center have shown that these registers are not maintained properly. So how are you ever going to get to the state of a definition when your registration uh, requirement under the law in the 1979 Mi- Interstate Migrant Workers Act is not fulfilled as of now? In chapter six of the rules, there are provisions for maintenance of the register of personal details of the migrants, of the muster, the wages register, deductions, maintains and pres- preservation of all registers, the periodic returns of the migrants to their home states, all of this is supposed to be maintained by the central government under this act and the state governments have to cooperate through their labor departments however this is not happening we saw this in my city of mumbai because mumbai and delhi possibly are two states that are the biggest recipients of migrant labor across the country though Chennai is a close third and do mumbai and delhi actually give these workers their due give these citizens their due, the, uh, the citizens that run these, uh, run our cities and our economies. So I think when we pay attention to the lapses and the gaps that we can fill, please let us look very carefully at the Interstate Migrant Workers Act and the rules that are contained within this act because there is a detailed prescription and proscription uh, 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 for maintenance of of the registers of migrant workers which is not being done and this affects just as mr khandelwal was saying what happens when there's an accident what happens when there's a tragedy what kind of food they eat uh hunger etc etc now coming to the supreme court the supreme court has held in several judgments that a voter's ability to exercise his right to vote has been held as an essential aspect of their fundamental right of, of the freedom of expression And in 2003, while it held that a distinction has to be drawn between the conferment of the right to vote on fulfillment of criteria and the culmination of that right in the final act of expressing choice towards a particular candidate by means of a ballot, that Article 19.1 is attractive and freedom of voting is very distinct from the right to vote is because it's seen as a species of the freedom of expression itself and therefore carries carries within it the auxiliary and complementary rights, such as the right to secure information about the candidate, which are conducive to exercising this freedom. So lots of things are linked up, whether you look at Swami versus returning officer case, People's Union of Civil Liberties, Kuldeep Nair, all these judgments are available. But I think when we're looking at how the Election Commission of India, Honorable Election Commission of India, and I'm absolutely delighted to see that from Dr. Zaidi to Mr. Rawat to Mr. S.Y. Dr. Qureshi, We have such an eminent panelist of former election commissioners here. This has to be a priority because while we are seeing the plugging of the holes and the rules, we need to look at the failure of the executive, states, and the center to actually fulfill the interstate migrant workers' laws and rules, which will enable a more concrete definition and a concrete idea of numbers, quality, and kind of migration, and how you can actually implement the right to vote. Of the section, which is so important for them to realize their their, their full ability, not just as citizens, but as uh, the, uh, political entities in this country. To conclude, because I realize that the question answer session is extremely important, I would just like to say that in the in the, and these are these are these are all figures. Thanks, thanks to sterling work done by uh, uh, bureaus like the Arjivika Bureau. That one survey so, shows that 48 percent of those surveys. Only 48% of the migrant surveys voted in the 2009 elections, when the average was 59.7%. So you can see the gap. These patterns have stayed consistent. In the 2019 Lok Sabha polls, major sender states, that is UP and Bihar, had lowest voter turning, turn, turnout at 57.3% and 59.21% respectively, while the national average was 67.4%. So you're seeing that the biggest sender states, which are UP and uh, uh, Bihar, actually have a drop in voting percentage. This can be collated exactly to the migrants that they're sending out because of poor economic conditions in the home state. I mean, we know that the election commission of India's, uh, you know, Section 60C uh, uh, power to notify certain class of voters to vote via the postal ballot. We know that 28 lakh votes were received via postal ballots in 2019. We know the Supreme Court has... In, in, interpreted this whole thing but i think no, nobody can describe the immediate need for the indian migrant worker that finally during the covid-19 pandemic the urban gaze the middle class gaze was turned upon this section that runs our economies and cities um, ambedkar's prescience when he said that the right of representation and the right to hold office under the state are two most important rights to make up citizenship and mm-hmm. therefore we we need, to, we need to make this a time-bound process. I can understand when Dr. Zaidi said it might take years, but I think we need to say that we need this to happen quickly so that a large section of our people who are disenfranchised, and just as Professor Ashwini Kumar said, that even among the migrant workers, there are Adivasis, there are Dalits, there are the poorest of the poor, there are bonded labor, who are more disenfranchised than others, actually get the right to work. So let's turn our attention also to the Interstate Migrant Workers Act and the rules therein. Which, ha- which put certain obligations on governments to be able to register these votes. Thank you very much.
1: With this,
0: we come to an end to our podcast. If you wish to learn more about ADR's contribution in this matter, make sure you subscribe to the
1: podcast on our website adrindia.org or write to us at adr at adrindia.org
0: with your feedback. We will be back with you in another amazing episode. So stay tuned and thank you for listening.